What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Pozzablon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Balauchuk. Hi. And Jordan Belinsky. Let's podcast aggressively. (laughs) (laughs) For those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations basically once a week. Three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And remember to stick around to the end of the episode for our contest details, just like John the Peaky of St. Louis, Missouri did last month. John the Peaky? John the Peaky. Mm. John. Yeah. You won, John. <laughs> you won, John. So yeah, he's our big winner. Uh, and we'll be reaching out via Twitter so he can uh, pick one of those three games for free. Uh, I think, you know, you're p- hoping he'll pick Blaster Master. You're Zero, hoping, yeah. Yeah, Blaster Master's here. You're hoping he'll pick uh, Super Monkey Ball Island. <laughs> Super Monkey, <yeah. laughs> Monkey Island 2, the remastered edition. The yes. Best, best PC game of all time. Yeah. I think it was, I think I looked it up today. It's just called like special edition or something. Yeah, it's like just that. special edition. I like calling it super. <laughs> well, I think they, they actually switched it up. Like the first one was called like SE, Monkey Island SE. And then okay. they actually changed the name of it for the number two, but I can't remember what it oh, okay. is. So. Yeah, it's something's revenge. Just to confirm. Anyway. Well, it's LeChuck's revenge. LeChuck's revenge. Something's right. revenge. Yeah. Thanks, Super Monkey Ball Jr. <laughs> but yeah. So, but yeah, so that was last month. But this month, uh, our new topic is Konami. Konami. So we're just doing another um, developer slash publisher spotlight, uh, but mostly sticking with developers. But yeah, we're uh, talking about Konami this month. Because they have uh, a long and storied history. Indeed, storied. Always awesome. They've (laughs) never wavered. (laughs) Depends who you talk to, but uh, if you talk to uh, Kojima-san, he may have a different opinion for you. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Though he hasn't said anything to the contrary yet, I don't think, but I think he's probably under a non-disclosure He'd agreement be for smart some n- time. Yeah, it'd be smart not to say anything. I yeah. think he'll he'll speak louder by showing the games he's going to make. Exactly, yeah. Just making awesome games and yeah. taking lots of money yeah. from people. And that's the and thing not about giving uh, any to them. Konami love is Konami love was very strong back in the day and yep. uh, Konami is faded. Faded quite a bit and uh, especially is reflected in my collection when I went to look and see what Konami games I actually had and I noticed that, you know, a few in the NES era, and then from there on out, like less and less and less. I think it was like a, a couple of Castlevanias. I got a couple of other like just random Konami games, and then it's uh, Karaoke Revolution, like the <laughs> entire series of Karaoke Revolution. And I, I think know, I, I, I know you like Rock Band. I had no idea you like karaoke games so yeah, much. Yeah, just I, right. fe- I fell into those. I was at a party where somebody was playing Karaoke Revolution. Yeah. And I'm like. It was so much fun at that party that I'm like, I got to have this. And I ended up buying like every single one that came out after that. So, so we'll have Aaron singing on the podcast later this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of his songs is just him singing a song out of well, uh, karaoke. When Revolution. we were doing like Konami as a spotlight, I'm like, I can pick any song from karaoke revolution because you know, they're in a Konami game technically. Technically. Yeah. That might be pushing the, yeah. pushing it though. But anyway, so yeah, it's Konami month and uh, I'm going to go first. And I'm just, you know, I'm going with the obvious pick. The one that everyone's going to think We all of. know what you're going to pick. Namachuke 68. Obviously. Of course. Or Came Na- out in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> or, uh, also known as Nama Baseball 68. So uh, this was a game uh, developed and polished by Konami for the Sharp X68000 home computer system released only in Japan. So uh, it came out in 1991 and uh, music was by... Yuji Takanuchi. So um, it's a baseball game. It's your standard, you know, kind of SNES, uh, NES era baseball game where, you know, you're picking your roster of players. There's there's like a pitching and hitting mechanic where you're trying to track where the ball is going to go and press A at the right time to swing and all that stuff. Not much to say about the game. It's a baseball game. <laughs> Which uh, Konami earlier perfected in the classic Base Wars. <laughs> Everybody's favorite baseball game. <laughs> is that a big one of yours too? That, yeah. We, me and Aaron were talking earlier today and he's like, Base Wars is the, the best. best. It's literally the only baseball game I've ever enjoyed. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, there well, you go. Well, that or uh, Super Ninja Baseball Batman. <laughs> well, that sounds good too. And I hope it's like, you know, Batman. Well, you played it with me. You know yeah, what yeah. game. Okay, yeah. That was that arcade one, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway... Back to not my 2K68. Yeah, superior like I, I know nothing game. about this game, and so, I barely know anything about the console. Yeah, so there's, to to be clear, there is not a lot online about this game, especially not a lot in English. Um, so why in the world did you pick this? So I picked this because this month, Konami, I knew that like in the NES and SNES kind of 
golden age of Konami. I figured that you guys were going to pick a, most of the highlights, if you will. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to go totally off script and I'm just going to pick crazy, weird Japanese stuff. And the biggest thing that this gives me a chance to do is talk about these awesome systems that were released in Japan. Like, I don't know if you guys, if this was a thing for you guys, but like, I remember when I was a kid, there was like this, this mythical land called Japan where <laughs> technology, I don't believe in that, where technology was like so much better. Like everything <laughs> in Japan was just they had, they, they had, had, they had cyborgs already. When yeah, we were they kids. had robots and <laughs> cell phones and toilets that clean your butt for you. You know what I mean? Like they had, they had so much stuff over there. And this is, I think this is like, this month is going to give me a chance to talk about some of these early home computer systems that they had that I think like proliferated this like mythic nature of the country for me. Oh, so that's neat. So yeah, uh, what we're going to talk, talk mostly about the X68000 system. So the first thing you notice when you watch any YouTube videos or anything is that this looks really good. Like this looks like uh, arcade level graphics and this was a home console. Hmm. Um, the It was created by Sharp and released in Japan in 1987. Uh, it gets its name from, it was a Motorola CPU uh, and it was the 68,000 CPU. That's what gave it its name. It had one megabyte of RAM and no hard drive. No. <laughs> so, you know. At yeah, that's the time, pretty good though, for the year. It's yeah, at the time, it was amazing. Yeah. The last version of it, you could get, I think it was like an 80 megabyte hard drive and up to 12 gigs of RAM, even though the computer at max used like two. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you can load it up with 12 gigs if you wanted. Uh, and the operating system, this is one of my favorite facts. The operating system was called Human 68K. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it was very similar to like a DOS operating system, but it was developed by Hudson Soft. Cool. So Bomberman, Mario Party, if you've enjoyed any of that, Hudson started out in more of the computer realm. So was this a keyboard system then? Like, yeah, it was yeah. totally, it would look very similar to a PC that you have yeah. sitting on your and, desk today. And it used disks, right? The games were all on floppies, just like most other computers, At that I time, believe. yeah, I think it would have been a yeah. floppy system for sure. Um, Hardware-wise, though, uh, like internally, it was very, very similar to an arcade machine. Uh, it actually served as Capcom's uh, CPS development machine. So Capcom kind of inherited it and started to use it as a development system for when they were making arcade games. And uh, they also produced, Capcom produced a special adapter. Uh, so you could use Super Famicom or Mega Drive controllers. But the reason they developed it was actually for their own uh, Power Stick Fighter controller. I don't know if you remember that from Street Fighter 2. It's like an arcade stick. Okay. It's this big plastic, you know, monstrosity. And it's kind of like, it's like two two rectangles kind of angled at each other. And then it's got the six button configuration. Yeah, and I uh, remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So they developed that little adapter for the system specifically for Street Fighter 2. Well, and I, and I think I didn't research this uh, like you did, but I think they also had the adapter so that you could use uh, more advanced controllers. Like I guess just Capcom stuff, but the, the well, controllers no, you were use like, like the Famicom controllers and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the, the regular controllers were much like the Nintendo. They were just like basic two button controllers. Yeah, uh, I was reading up on it and you could use, um, you could use like Atari joysticks and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, the older, the older stuff, but then they developed the adapter so you could do that. So, but anyway, let's go straight into the music. We are going to just listen to the intro theme from Namachuke 68. like it could be a golf game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it because like, it's like it's relaxing and kind of funky at the same time. Yeah. I love it. Just, yeah, exactly that. Like you hear it and you're just like, oh, this is a sports game. Like yeah. this is Select even if, your player. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. even if, if I didn't give you guys any preamble, you'd yeah. be like, it's probably from could a be, sports game. Could, could yeah. be a tennis game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that excellent sound comes from the uh, Yamaha YM2151 FM sound chip. So this is like at the, at the time in 87 that this came out, this was Yamaha's like premier sound chip. Um, and it was used in a ton of arcade and even pinball machines. Uh, but it was originally developed for Yamaha's electric keyboards. 
And it's funny because if you go back and like listen to uh, YouTube videos of people playing the keyboards that this sound chip is in, you're like, man, it sounds just like an arcade. <laughs> you like gotta you, get one of those keyboards just to play like the chip tunes from these songs. Well, like you totally could. Like yeah. if you had one of these keyboards, if you have it in the right presets, you're like, you're there, man. You're, <laughs> you're, you could play all these old chip tune songs. So it's fantastic. So um, that, that sound chip specifically, that 2151 will come up probably more times uh, throughout this month for my picks because as you go through all these weird Japanese home computer console machines, uh, that thing's everywhere. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention about this game is uh, the composer, Yuki Takanuchi, uh, is still working today and still working on different games and most recently worked on Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. Ooh, wow. An Aaron Blauchuk favorite. Did, uh, did the composer stay with Konami? Do you know or did he kind of... He, he bounced around, around a bit, yeah. but he still does Konami games. Uh, so, Oh, and uh, the one other thing I want to mention, it does still have that uh, little Konami intro tune plays on this one too. Oh, uh, I bet you it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds pretty good. It sounds yeah. pretty good. So yeah, that's it for Namachuke 68. I almost picture like because uh, we talked about the keyboard, just like sliding your fingers down the keys just to get that Konami sound. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Where are we going next? It's your Me? turn next one. All right. Uh, I thought I would talk about Super Probotector, Alien Rebels, or as everyone in North America calls it, uh, Contra 3, the Alien Wars, <laughs> or in Japan, uh, Contra Spirits. Did you say Super Probotector? Probotector. Probotector. Yes. That's, <laughs> like, that's like, a great word. Like Robo and yeah. Protector. Yeah. Probotector. Probotector. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I swear like Contra's had some of the weirdest naming conventions of all any, any Konami series. Because like the Probotector was because uh, in parts of Europe, they had laws against um, ultra violence and mm. anything depicting war. So of course... Probotector, they took the uh, the main characters of Contra and turned them into robots. So yeah. that, that you, fixes you can that shoot problem. Robots. Yeah, yeah, robots can die. It's yeah. it's okay. They don't they don't feel anything. But um, <laughs> for those that don't know, uh, Contra's just uh, Konami's little run and gun series uh, that they've had since uh, the early the sorry the the late eighties. Um, I don't know about little, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, pretty I mean, prolific. It's diminished now. I <laughs> yes, mean, yeah. It was big in the day. They did a sequel. There's a 3DS game. Yeah. There? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's like a Contra on every console now. Probably, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah there's been a lot, actually, tons. And there's even uh, Pachinko Machines, which I'm very excited to play one day. But <laughs> It's one of those franchises that people love from back in the day, and it still gets releases, but I don't think it ever quite hits the heights. It's still sort of like... Kind of like Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's kind of like every time they release a new Contra, it's always a different development team. It's never the same. It doesn't have the same feeling to it. Plus, we're in a, a new age now. It's like I talked about it uh, last week, um, talking about those virtual console remakes. I said there was like a Contra Rebirth and a Castlevania. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, they're, they're all sort of like that watered down, like highly polished, but the gameplay just isn't hitting the nail on the head. Well, here's the thing is I think about that in the same way. I think about like Double Dragon as well. It's another one of those series series that's like great like famous long storied history it was really popular back in the day and continues to see like games released but it's kind of like here's your remake here's your little nostalgia hit it's never quite the same thing it's just one of those franchises that never evolved essentially yeah and that's i think that's why those series like contra kind of languished because you know you get something like mario or even sonic where you know the games changed and evolved yep. as it went through time got but worse something like something like yeah got worse sometimes <laughs> but contra is a series that is exactly the same and i don't think they've really done much yeah. to break out of that mold like what what what's the secret like look yeah. at nintendo they have 30 years with some of their franchise and it's because it stayed really close to the company and they don't really, you know, mm. let it shift hands too often. I Something like Contra or like we talked about Blaster Master last week, those franchises kind of get passed around. Other people get a crack at it. Slowly it gets watered down and it changes and they try to bring it back. It's never quite the same. Well, I think the difference with like the Nintendo, like a Mario or, you know, Donkey Kong or something like that is that they only, they treat it like a special thing you yeah. know what i mean and they and they always focus on gameplay first so like no matter what mario you, you play they all feel great to play you may like the setting or the look or the music or whatever differently but it's always yeah. fun is it it's fun? always is, fun is the number one and question. like yeah. you're always jumping on goombas but it's always a good time you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. you may be jumping on goombas uh you know floating around a planet or you may jumping up on goombas in world one one 
Super Mario Bros. Yeah. But it's always great. So. And with Contra, I have very little interest in, in booting up some of the uh, newer ones, but yeah. I will always go back and play the original. Yeah, but I yeah. think like I think the difference is like it's just the name that gets mm-hmm. farmed around, and they're like, well, the name's big enough that people will buy it, but Nintendo's like, no, we have to make sure this lives up to Mario quality kind yeah. of thing. So. Yeah. Well, um, so Contra 3, it was the... Uh, the th- uh, it wasn't even the third Contra game when it came <laughs> out. It was technically the fourth. Is this um, like Final Fantasy where the names got all messed n- up? Kind of not really. There was uh, there was another Contra game on the NES called uh, Contra Force. And, Robodector and, Force. And at the time... <laughs> It it probably was. Well, no, no. So so here the thing with the thing with Contra Force was that it got canceled in Japan at the last moment. So um, Contra Three on Super Nintendo was uh, in development. It was called Super Contra Four, and so um, because Contra Force got delayed and canceled, um, they bumped up Contra to Contra Three on Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. But there's there's more to it than that. There's like a whole like other scenario of Contra games that kind of like filter through here. But um, the Super Nintendo one, uh, let's see here. It had some amazing Mode 7 overhead stages. Um, it had classic Konami vehicle levels. Like if you uh, ever played um, like any of the Ninja Turtle games, how they have like the skateboarding or the surfing levels. Well, Contra had like motorcycle levels and, and other type like side scrolling vehicle levels. Um, they added from the originals, they added the ability to climb up walls and monkey bar across ceilings. Um, of course, all like one handedly so you could shoot. So hanging from the ceiling and shooting was kind of cool. Did they you had, monkey bar and shoot at the same time? Uh, I think when you shoot, it stops you from moving. Okay, I was gonna say because that yeah. would be quite the feat. Yeah, no, no, no. So you like you you like swing his, his, left arm, his left arm is like really really strong. Yeah, it really he switches to his, switches it's to his feet. <laughs> um, there was the ability to shoot two guns at the same time. Um, you, my favorites were uh, if you. Um, what was it? I forget if you like hold down the trigger buttons, um, you can like, he does this cool pose where he like points his guns outward and he kind of like shoots in the air and you can like (laughs) somersault and shoot both guns at the same time in the mode seven levels. You can, um, I think it's like if you hold L and R at the same time, he'll actually like spin in, in circles and hit both guns like straight out to the sides and he'll just spin around shooting. (laughs) That sounds pretty OP. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> awesome though. Like this, like so, it's called helicopter bullets. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this was the contra game that uh, was the most polished and and refined out of out of all the the contra games. Might not be everybody's favorite, um, but for me, it was kind of like the most uh, the most badass version of contra. Um, it was like the actual the actual most evolved version of contra. yeah yeah. Because after this game, like there were tons more contra games, but. Um, you know, depending on how they evolved, they just never had that fun factor that this one had. Is this the peak of the series in your opinion? For me, yeah. Right. Um, and I hear this the the one on Sega Genesis is also great. Uh, Contra Hardcore. Um, well, that just sounds better though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the music in that one is really good too. But uh, my history lies on the Super Nintendo, unfortunately. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the music. Um, the composer was Miki. I didn't, I didn't, didn't hold practice on. I didn't practice Miki yeah. ha- <laughs> Higashino, Higashino. That sounds pretty good. Miki Higashino, apology if she's listening. And uh, <laughs> um, she, uh, in an interview I found online, she, um, she revealed that she found that the soundtrack to this one didn't really hold up like the rest. Um, a big reason for that was because she was going for more of a movie feel. Um, if I'm sure most people, when they think of Contra music, they think of the first game and the iconic theme in that one from uh, stage one, but uh, none of that music continued into Super Contra. So a lot of the, or Contra 3, the, uh, they were all brand new tracks that she composed to feel more like a movie. Um, and her, her previous works include uh, Gradius, Life Force, the first TMNT game, and the uh, Sukoden series. That's a good, that's a good resume. Pretty, pretty <laughs> good. Yeah. She has a, a long history with being in Konami, but she hasn't always stayed in the company. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's not, not only was she trying to go for a movie feel with the music, I've always felt like the Contra series sort of pulled from very specific movie franchises, specifically the action, uh, series. Um, like if you know, if you've gotten far enough in the Contra series, you know, there's, a lot of stuff with the alien series, like there's like face huggers and xenomorphs in Contra. <laughs> like um, in uh, TMNT. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about you've got these characters who are basically Arnold Schwarzenegger and I think there's a heavy like 
Well, yeah, it's 80s like, action films. Isn't sort it supposed of to be like Rambo? And... It's Rambo and Predator, I yeah. think. Yeah, so you have Dutch from uh, from Predator, and then you have John Rambo from yeah. Rambo. Rambo, First Blood. <laughs> um, or, you, you know, like Rambo and Commando, you know, you could have... Uh, either way, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's Stallone. They <laughs> yeah. both wear bandanas and they wear camo and they run around with machine guns. They're just missing Shirtless. their big, big cigars. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of tie-ins to different... Uh, different action movies here. Um, but uh, getting into the music, if you have played Super Contra or Contra 3, towards the end of the game, um, when you get into sort of like the alien xenomorph territory, this is sort of like the Red Falcon lair. Um, there's, you, you get towards the end and then you sort of hit the boss, the boss rush mode where you go through a series of different bosses. There's, uh, um, it's, he's called Beast Kimco. There's the Slave Hawk. Then you fight Red Falcon himself. And then you fight Red Falcon's brain. And if you're playing on hard mode, <laughs> then the brain chases you as you try to escape the lair. So tying back to, let's say, <laughs> Predator. As a good brain should. Aaron's uh, just nodding yeah, in approval. Yeah. Well, you tell me Mother Braden wouldn't have chased Samus out as the place was blowing up if, if she, yeah, if she, she had, had the chance, ability. Yeah. Um, so on hard mode, um, the red Falcon brain will actually chase you away. And as you're escaping, of course, like, uh, like any Arnold Schwarzenegger would, he would get to the choppa <laughs> and fly away. And that's exactly what happens in, in, in Contra. What, the brain like is on the ground shaking its fist or yeah, uh, kind of it's shaking its fist. And then it like climbs into this like brain capsule and then like chases out. So like, as you're flying away, it's like becomes sort of like a vertical scrolling, um, not even a level. It's like you've already at this point fought the boss like three or four or five times already. So this is like you can kill him in like one or two hits, but it's just the fact that he could hit you and still kill you. <laughs> and you're like flying out of the base as it's about to blow up. And he's like at the bottom of the screen trying to grab you and you're dangling from a helicopter, like shooting down at him and then you escape. So, so ten tension's high. Tension's <laughs> super high. Um, and that's where the music comes in because um, I feel like this music was influenced by a movie as well. Another movie we haven't talked about, but totally fills in, f fits in here. Um, so the Predator series, um, if you're familiar with the Choppa scene, you know, where Arnold Schwarzenegger says, run, go, get to the choppa. <laughs> then you have uh, this music playing. The, the original theme by Alan Silvestri is called The Chase. And in Contra, it's called Final Gauntlet Part 2. You can hear the inspiration if you listen to the two uh, side by side, but let's get into the music and hear that. So this is Final Gauntlet Parts 1 and 2 from Contra 3.
mentioning 80s action movies. Yeah, I, you get excited. <laughs> well, no, I, I was actually, when you're <laughs> mentioning 80s action movies, I was hoping it was going to be Alan Silvestri because I didn't know who actually composed it. But yeah. Silvestri is awesome. Yeah, you is can he, hear a lot he of... like the quintessential Well, he did Back to the guy. Future. He did the Back okay. to the Future soundtrack. He actually, even recently, I think he did uh, The Avengers. No way. I think so. Yeah. Really? I think so. That's cool. You look it up. Predator mm. was one of his first big action movies. Yeah. If you don't consider Back to the Future to be action, then this mm. was like his big hero yeah, uh, shoot crack at it. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of like what he's known for doing in, in the Predator soundtrack, you can hear influenced in the Contra soundtrack, mm. at least in this game, because like the the big timpanis uh, and a lot of the staccato stuff that he does... Um, you can hear, especially in the uh, final Gauntlet Part Two. Is this so? How close is this to the uh, the to Predator? The, the Predator thing. Um, yeah. So I listen to both, and the drums sound identical. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's unmistakable that the two are are the Related, same. Yeah. Like they're not similar; they're pretty much the same. Um, there's just a few added elements in the Contra to, you know, make it sound different. <laughs> it's the limitations of the hardware. They were really trying to just rip it off directly. But. Yeah. And, and I was always sort of aware that, um, there was a Contra song out there that sounded like a Predator song. Yeah. And if you just kind of like go through, uh, YouTube and listen to the Predator, the, the specific Predator song. Um, you'll see Contra comments. And if you're on the Contra <laughs> song, you'll see Predator, Predator comments. comments. <laughs> so the two go back and forth. I listen to them side by side and yeah, they, they sound like very, very similar. So much as uh, Aaron had a hard time getting off Zelda month, you're having a hard time getting away from evolution month. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Isn't it still Zelda month? Just wait till you hear my pick. In your, in your heart. Zelda. In your heart. If you can Zelda <laughs> game in Konami month. <laughs> there was, uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up about Con this specific Contra game was uh, a memory back from college. That goes back about almost 10 years ago now, but uh, we were Jordan's sitting in- old. I'm old. <laughs> and I was actually pretty old when I went to college too. But uh, so sitting in graphic design class, I don't know how we got on the conversation of uh, manliness and, and badassery, but um, the teacher brought it up for some reason. We were all talking about like things that were super badass. What was the most manliest thing you could think of? And uh, it wasn't me, but uh, a friend of mine, he actually like walked up to the whiteboard and he grabbed a marker and he's like, has anybody ever played Contra 3? And a couple of people put up their hands, me included. And he's like, okay, I think I have the manliest thing ever. And it's a video game. And so he goes up and he draws a picture. It's the helicopter from Contra 3. Then the missile that the helicopter carries. And then you, the main character in Contra, hanging off of the missile with one hand while the other hand is out firing a gun. And then he describes a particular level from the game. And this is a real level after you, it's, it's the road warriors level. After you finish like doing, um, the motorcycle stage, your helicopter flies in, you jump on and grab the bottom of a missile with one hand. And then the helicopter flies up in the air and takes off. The helicopter fires the missile with you hanging onto it. So this is, the, <laughs> this is the real story, but this is also what my friend drew on the board and described. And I should just say that to close that conversation after he finished drawing the picture, nobody could top it. And so <laughs> to this day, like that image in my head resonated as, uh, okay, going forward in life, if you ever find a manlier, more badass video game, then you know, you've topped Contra three and I haven't. Now here's the thing is that they almost made a manlier, badass video game. And that, of course, was an April Fool's joke for the game Blackthorn. And we've all seen the yeah. uh, we've all seen the April Fool's concept art for that, in which the main character of an old, I think it's a Blizzard series, um, is it Blizzard? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, series Blackthorn that was on the Super NES, where there's this sort of like badass with a shotgun who escapes from slavery and he blasts his way out of this thing. But they um, had an April Fool's joke one year where they announced a new Blackthorn game, yeah, not real, and the concept art was it was basically him surfing. And he's being chased by an enormous shark who's like cresting out of the water and he's shooting backwards at this shark without looking at it with his shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> and that was sort of like Blackthorn's thing yeah. was the no look shotgun shot. Yeah. So, one, of, okay. one of his special moves was you could actually 
turn, uh, put your hand behind your head and shoot without, without actually turning your head, which was awesome. And yeah, I'd say that, that was that the best part as far as like badassery, that was pretty badass. And if that shark shooting surfing game <laughs> was a real game, that's pretty badass. Yeah. That, like there's other badass characters out there, mm-hmm. but like that level in Contra three for me was like, yeah, I agree. That was probably one of the most badass things. Cause as the missile is like flying towards, it ends up flying towards like an enemy airship that you're trying to kill. The, the helicopter pilot has no regard for your life. He shoots the missile with you attached to it. And so, um, as you fly towards the enemy airship, there's more missiles coming up from behind you. So you have to jump off one missile to the next, to the next hanging and dangling from <laughs> missile to missile Makes sense. while firing off a machine gun. Wait, are you like Sylvester Stallone or Spider-Man? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're probably Stallone. Cause that would be more like cliffhanger, right? Yeah, so. I guess. Yeah. It's a good thing. Those missiles are getting close enough to each other that you can actually do that. Oh yeah. 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 Very <laughs> in, fortunate in my head. The only he, the helicopter pilot has regard for your life, but you're like, no, you little baby, fire that <laughs> missile. And you're like, ah. the, yeah, yeah. The, the helicopter pilot knows you're capable, so yeah. he's yeah. just like, whatever, you got this, go for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, All right. Just, just one last little side yeah, note. Yeah, in yeah. my researcher, I came across a company called MondoTees.com, and if you're interested in the uh, the uh, Contra Three soundtrack or a few of the other Konami classics, they're actually selling right now. Uh, a bunch of vinyl records. So you can actually pick up Contra 3, um, Castlevania 1 and 2, a couple other um, other Konami classics on vinyl right now. So mm, kind of cool. neat. For all of us vinyl collectors. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron, what do you got for this, for your first Konami For my pick? first Konami pick is a pick that I love. And it's a pick that I have talked about on the podcast before, but it's worth revisiting because it is just so good. So great. <laughs> Konami classic. Everyone loves Mario Kart 8? <laughs> the Goonies 2. Oh, very good. <laughs> and nobody loves the Goonies 2. I love the Goonies 2. I have a very strong attachment to I it. I think but. based on the Goonies 2 movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know what's funny is I was actually playing the Goonies 2 last night in preparation for the podcast. And I, it's a game that I go back to again and again. I'll play like year after year. And I just wish, wished it was a movie because it's so bonkers in what's happening in the game. It's like, cause I'm going through this thing and there's giant scorpions and I'm fighting like there's this old woman. I've got to punch her in the face to get the candle. Which and is what you do with right. any <laughs> Eskimos who are throwing axes and polar bears who are standing on two feet that are walking at me. It's, and yeah. it's like, and then there's like, winged skeletons that jumped at you and I'm like this is out of control and of course (laughs) your whole goal in the game is to beat some small time Italian mobsters the Fratellis and rescue a mermaid that they have kidnapped. So I remember yeah. you talking about the yeah. mermaid before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the old lady face punch it. I was like, wait, why was this game so crazy? And then yeah, there it is. It is, <laughs> it is crazy. Like the and polar bears on two feet I can yeah. do it. Eskimo with an axe. All right. Punch an old lady in the face. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. And it's just, it's so loaded with like bizarro characters. Cause it's, it's a combination of action platforming. So like 2d side scrolling platforming. And then there's these sort of like first person 3d interior places where you actually go into a door and then you're like walking through this series of doors. And then you run into these characters. There's like a fish man who looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. There's the old lady you have to punch in the face. There's an old man who guards the warp zone who looks exactly like Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I, I, <laughs> His I theme song is great. <laughs> I haven't played this. So when you're in the 3D houses, that's where you encounter these people? These characters. So is yeah. it like uh, Friday the 13th when you encounter Jason? Very much kind of okay. like that, except these people don't the people on the interior, they don't move around. Okay. And they're not, there's no enemies on the interior. They're not trying it's to like, the these are NPCs you. that you actually <laughs> talk to. Like you actually, like I mentioned Eskimo through, through axes. And I know that Eskimo is not really a, you know, not a culturally, culturally sensitive term, yeah, but in that, the game, you actually go into a room and there's a guy who says to you, I am Eskimo. <laughs> oh, I, so he, he's not, his, just his name is yeah. Eskimo. <laughs> well, yeah. he's, he's dressed in a big parka with fur lined hood. Yeah. And it's just and a coincidence he, that he happened to look like a native of yeah. maybe a native is, Canadian. Maybe that of is the his, North, but his name in, is just Eskimo. Yeah. Maybe he just lives in the ice caves and he, his name is Eskimo. Coincidentally, <laughs> his, his, his brother is error. So. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's in an Eskimo. room where you get the boomerang, which is one of the best weapons in the game, until you lose it crossing the suspension bridge, where it's eaten by robot skulls that fly at you. So again, this would be a great what movie. A bananas game. I know. I, I, <laughs> this must be this. This must be the sequel that uh, you never got. Just uh, a bunch like uh, Ghostbusters three, the video game. Well, you know what's actually hilarious about this too is that 
there, Konami actually did make a Ghost, a, a Goonies One game. So there actually yeah. was a Goonies One game, and people like that game, right? Yeah, and it, I think it was Japan only. It was released in arcades and on the Famicom, and it was pretty well regarded. More of a puzzle game, similar to like a Mappy Land kind of thing, and it sort of followed loosely the plot of the movie. And then for this this one, it was so crazy because it didn't follow the plot of anything. It went totally over the top. Still had all the characters from the original Goonies in it, and the box art was like. A professionally done, like you remember box art for the NES in the early ages, and it was garbage generally, but this was like a painted movie poster cover that looked like it could have come off of an actual movie poster. Like a Star like the old Star Wars yeah, painted. Like, and, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like a Drew Struzan kind of yeah, painting. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've even read that uh, it created a lot of confusion. A lot of people think that there is a Goonies 2 movie because the artwork looked like the poster for an actual movie that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. So there amazing? was some confusion that this was never based on a real movie. Wouldn't it be amazing if they had the script? <laughs> the game is like legitimately the script for well, the like, movie. We don't have a budget for this. Let's just make they just gave it to Konami. <laughs> well, I remember watching, I was watching Goonies and they actually had a, uh, they have a commentary track on it where all of the original Goonies and the director Richard Donner come in and they comment on the track and it actually like shows them all talking and like, you know, Corey Feldman and all the other crazy people from, from the original Goonies and uh, Sean Astin who played Mikey, he actually had to leave halfway through the commentary track because he was working on Lord of the Rings at the time. And so he's like, sorry, guys, I can't stay. I got to go. I've got to be in this movie, Lord of the Rings. And after he left, everyone was making fun of him for being in Lord of the Rings. And this was recorded, like, I think before Lord of the Rings came out. So. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. No that's idea. hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was pretty hilarious. But, uh, of course, at that commentary track, there was a lot of talk about, like, let's get the gang back together and let's make another Goonies movie. And that's sort of a rumor that goes on and off for years. And if they ever make a Goonies 2 movie, this game needs to be the basis for it. <laughs> I want that so badly. So with all that said, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of Goonies 2 stuff. Um, I, I'll give you the, the sort of basic facts is that this game came out in 1987. Um, the original Japanese version of it was called the Fratelli's Last Stand because, you know, again, it's funny you're because fighting the you're fighting the Fratelli's who are, and there's, uh, there's four of them in the game. There's like Ma Fratelli who throws bombs. There's like, and I can't remember the names of the two, her two sons, but one like shoots a bow and arrow and one fires a gun. And then inexplicably, there was another Fratelli who didn't appear in the movie, who was like this tiny little short guy, like a, like a dwarf Fratelli. Okay. <laughs> who just <laughs> runs and jumps at you. So they invented a new Fratelli. And none of these characters can be killed. That You can just knock them down, but they keep coming after you. So they're sort of like the constant enemy throughout the game. And then for some reason they're being helped by dragons and skulls and the Fratellis you know. are all T 1000s. Pretty much. And the music for um, Goonies two. Um, when I talked about this last time, we, I brought up in the context of like licensed music and games or like actual music that turn into chip tunes. So I was talking about Cindy Lauper's um, Goonies are good enough, which is the main sort of song. You start level one and it plays a chip tune version of Goonies are good enough. But the rest of the soundtrack is really fantastic in its own right. And it was composed by uh, Satoe Terashima. And she worked at Konami from 1985 to 1993. And the whole soundtrack is a very, very like awesome jazzy kind of feel to it. Um, it's, I'm trying to think, it's pretty diverse. Like there's every land, like there's the ice world, there's a cavern, there's like this sort of volcano world. They all have their own themes and they're really, really well, well done. They really fit in well with the actual themes. So, I mean, props to Satoe Terashima, who also um, composed a lot of Konami classics I've since found out, such as Life Force, Gradius 2, Castlevania, and Castlevania 2. Now, I think for like Castlevania 2, she worked on the sound team, but was actually yeah. apparently the composer for Castlevania and oh, wow. didn't get a lot of credit for her work because Konami wasn't really big on crediting. Do you the remember the, the credits for the first game didn't even have the, the developers' names? It was yeah. all a bunch of fake names. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've talked about this before, <laughs> this weird Japanese thing of like no credit in games. Well, so it wasn't, it wasn't it was even like company. Yeah, but it wasn't even fake names for the developers. It was just like um, horror movie icon actors and, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. So it was even worse which, than that. Which is a bizarre way to do things. But And that's why in, in the research too, it says like these are games credited to her, but it's impossible to actually compile a full list because nobody knows for sure thanks to Konami's weird I, practices. I... I just so many times when we're doing this podcast and I'm doing research, I wish that I spoke 
amazing Japanese and had great connections with all these people because interviewing all these old composers would make for amazing content just to know what they even worked on. Yeah. And like how much influence did you have in this? Like how did you compose this theme? Was this you like this super iconic theme? Cause like so much of it is still a mystery. And the big thing too, is like in a lot of cases, like with uh, Jordan's composers, like you get compo- you get composers who have been working in the industry since like the dawn of the NES and are still working today. Yeah. But then you get a lot of these composers that compose like your, the classic themes that have basically faded into obscurity. You're probably doing something completely different now. And like even trying to get a hold of them for an interview would be extra impossible yeah. because it's Like you'd it's have so to know obscure. friends of friends of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, why exactly. I, that's why I put in the super connected part. But yeah, <laughs> no, I know. Like uh, I think a lot of them have just simply retired. Yeah. Like, so, you know, my career started when I was 40 with the NES. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. 2017, yeah, I'm, I'm retired. So, all right. So the song that I picked from Goonies 2 is called The Cavern, and it's one of the earlier areas in the game, and it's got a really cool jazzy kind of tone to it. So let's listen to The Cavern from The Goonies 2. female composers both yeah. from konami and apparently they both worked on life force together so that's yeah. pretty cool yeah that's, and that's pretty cool is like you actually you find in the japanese video game industry a lot of female composers especially in those early yeah early ages yeah. Uh, i'm not surprised to see that there are it's just i ha- we haven't had a lot in conversation on our show so mm. that's actually something yeah you know that it's it's a topic, a hot topic, uh, or has been in the past of like women in video games and in the industry. And I think it's like the people who think they're not there aren't looking, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it's like when you go through and read credits and, and especially like we were saying, Japanese sp- specifically composers for all these old games, there's tons of women in there. Even last week, uh, I mentioned, uh, one of the big Pokemon composers is female and mm-hmm. been since the second game. So very cool. I well, love that. Yeah. But uh, this this Goonies, the Cavern song, it's got like almost a swing sort of yeah, totally, sound yeah. to it. Yeah. You can see somebody doing yeah. one of those great internet videos where they do like a swing dance to a bunch of old well, I'd, I'd, <laughs> love, I'd, love, I'd love to see like a jazz band, you know, big upright bass. Yeah, and, like, actually, that'd be great. Do like a version of that song. I'd love to see actually a complete version of the Goonies 2 soundtrack. Yeah. Not a lot of people who are doing, uh, doing remix versions of the Goonies 2 stuff, except I have found versions done by the mini bosses, which I'm sure we've talked about. The mini bosses have done some Goonies 2 stuff. And it's usually the main theme. That's the thing. Whenever anyone does a remix or a cover of Goonies, it always seems to just be Cindy Lauper's Goonies Are Good Enough. But I would love to hear the other songs in that soundtrack as well. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll have to uh, break away from podcasting and start <laughs> the uh, VGM Generation's 8-bit swing band. Yeah. Well, maybe you should, uh, if he, I'm sure he's listening, you should commission Norm to, yeah. to compose a remix for you. That would be awesome. Yeah, Norm, do a swing, <laughs> do a swing remix of the, of the Goonies. But I also, uh, in I just uh, some general sort of thoughts about uh, the subject of Konami is that, of course, like we talked about Konami being this big, prolific developer. And I, I when I went back to look at my library, I, I had a hard time finding things. And I decided that I would bust out my NES and actually play some of these songs. Give me some inspiration. So I fired it up and I started putting in Konami games. And my NES was functioning a little spotty. It sort of crashed after 10 minutes. So I was giving myself 10 minutes to play and then stopping. And then while I was in the middle of playing uh, Goonies 2, 
it actually died on me. So I'm, uh, it was a little oh, sad. Goonies killed your NES? <laughs> if there was any game that was going to be like the last game I was going to play on the <laughs> NES, I would probably choose the Goonies it's too. It's a good one to put it away with. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like the classic Super Mario Brothers 3 or anything like that, but Goonies 2 holds a special place in my heart because it was one of, one of the first games that we ever bought for the NES. Oh, okay. And I remember the day that we bought it. We went to like... In Who's, the, whose pick was it? Because all these stories yeah. are like, oh, it was my younger brother, my older I'm, brother. I'm pretty sure was this, was, this was like a... There weren't actually a lot of games for sale. So I think this was actually pretty much a, a consensus okay. amongst everybody in the store. And I remember we were in the electronics store in the, the city of Grand Prairie, which is far north of here and a fairly small city. As far as I knew, this is the only electronics store in the whole city. And they're having some big promotion where you'd pop a balloon and you'd get like a discount out of it. Pop a balloon, it says how much you get off. And we got the highest, it was like 40% off. Oh, wow. It's the best wow. one you could get. And I, for some reason, that has stuck with me my entire life, even though I was probably like, you know, eight years old when hey this man, game those events are, <laughs> yeah. they stay with you. Yeah. They stay with you. You get that 40% discount on Goonies too. You never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's our picks for this uh, for this month of Konami month, or this week of Konami month, I should say. <laughs> um, but uh, now we're going to go into what Aaron has been playing. Aaron, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? Well, I can't talk about Zelda this week for like the first time in a long time. Because? Because I finished Zelda. Oh, a little, yeah. little round of applause. I finished the hell out of Zelda. And I finished finished quite completely. I did. I have a pretty, pretty high completion rate, but, uh, you know... Obviously, if you're playing Zelda and you know anything about it, there's a lot of cork seeds in the game, and yep. I'm not trying to get all of those. That's that's madness. But. You'll never have that hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Maybe I will someday. I think it's like is, twenty since, years from now. I'd be like, you call me up. We we don't even talk anymore. You're like, Mike, <laughs> who is this? I got all the cork seeds. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> now that well, you now that you've beat it, though, you should check your uh, how how many hours you put into the game. Just out of curiosity. Oh, wow, yeah. The last time I checked, it was two hundred and thirty hours. Okay, but Oof. I don't. I I didn't check when I finished the game. Like, and honestly, I don't think I'm done the game that's yet. Like game yeah, and but, a half, but it though. might yeah. be good to check when you beat the game what yeah. your hours. Are at yeah, I think I will. Obviously, those will keep climbing when you play. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm going to revisit uh, and go back. And you know, I still it's still fun to run around the world, find seeds, and find treasure chests. And there's drop, some drop rocks on the Korok. Exactly head, that sort of thing. I, I never get tired <laughs> of that. So no. But since I finished that, I mean, aside from my Zelda withdrawal, where I keep thinking I should be playing Zelda right now, maybe I should just fire it up. I decided to break out and play something else, and so I started uh, playing a game I've already played, but a game in its remastered version. So, The Last of Us remastered for the PlayStation Four is what I've been playing all this week, and I just finished the main game and started up the DLC, which I've never played for that. I haven't played the DLC either, but I've heard it's excellent. It is so far. Like I'm really, really enjoying it. Next, the, um, so far um, in the main game, you, of course, you play as Joel, who's running around this post-apocalyptic world with Ellie, the young girl, in tow. And uh, it kind of... And you play as Ellie a little bit in the main game, but this um, prequel sort of game stars Ellie primarily. So Very cool. And it's sort of like her relationship with a friend of hers, and I'm not all the way through it yet, so I can't say too much about it, but it's just the atmosphere building that uh, Naughty Dog does is... Second to none. Second to none. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And uh, I'll have to say is I when I was playing The Last of Us Remastered this time is my plan was... I, I didn't really enjoy it the first time I played it. I didn't... Really? I, did, I didn't get the <laughs> same thing out of it that everyone did. And I don't know, is, is it okay for me to talk about spoilers for uh, The Last of Us? Or? Well, yeah. we'll just say spoiler alert. I'll just I'll probably ahead. forget. I, I plan on playing it in the future, but I'll probably forget if you I won't. It. Then I won't say any specific plot stuff. But I'll just say that I wasn't really happy with Joel in the end. I didn't yeah. agree with Joel. Yeah. And... Uh, that, that, was a, that was a take it or leave it sort of ending. Yeah. Sure. And, and I understand why they did it. And I, you cannot deny that it is well-written. It is a yep. fantastically well-written game with a great story. But in, in the end, I didn't really, I wasn't really happy with Joel. I, I, and I didn't really like Ellie as, as much as a character the first time around. But the second time around, I liked her a lot better. Thing is, is that when I got to the end, I was mad again in the same way that I was mad the first time I played. But... It's still a fun game. And I, I, what I really want to do is play it this time is like make it a little harder for myself. I found it a little too easy the first time. So I turned off listening mode, which allows you to like listen. Well, there's like the super hardcore mode, right? Where it's is. like almost impossible. Well, I started on maybe not the hardest, but like the second down from the hardest okay. was the mode I started on. I played about half the game in that mode before I got to a point that I just couldn't get through. Like I, yeah. I tried and I tried hours and hours. It was just this... It was this dam level 
which I didn't even remember yep. the first time I played it as being a particularly hard part in the game. But I took so many cracks at it and couldn't get through that yeah, I eventually I remember to, that part. <laughs> I dropped I dropped it down from like ultra hard to just regular hard. I was I was still playing it on hard, but yeah, uh, and then playing it on hard, and then I turned off a lot of the uh, assists. Assists. Yeah. So I think I think. Uh, I think I talked about this once before on the podcast because it, it happened what ha, as we've been recording, but uh, me and Steph, uh, my girlfriend kind of played that game sort of together. And when we got to that ending part uh, that we're talking about, I was like, we were both, we kind of just finished credits roll, put down the controller. And I just, I just got up and I just like paced around the house. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. And yeah. like, well, I just like, it just, it's such a, it's such an it's unsettling it's, finish. And that it's like is a brick in your stomach. Yeah, that totally. is the strength of that game. Like love it or hate it. You think about it, it sticks and it with sticks you. with you. Yeah. And like the next day you will wake up in the morning you'll be having a shower and you'll be thinking about yeah. that game and you'll be like trying to reconcile Absolutely. how you That's, feel about it. And, and again, like I said, even though I was like mad about it and wasn't entirely happy, it's a strong, well-written game that makes you think no matter what. So. It, uh, it, to me, that sounds like a good ending, whether you like it or not, because yeah. um, it's, it sticks with you. Yeah. And it makes you think about it when you're not playing it. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, is it a happy ending? Maybe for some people, maybe yeah, not depends. for other people. It totally people. Depends, depends on your on, viewpoint, yeah, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, fantastic game. So, but as per usual, Moneybags Malauchuk gives <laughs> us nothing for the giveaway. So uh, <laughs> we're going back to Jordan. We're going to go with uh, Contra 3. It is Contra, or yeah, it's Contra Month. I'm going to call it Contra Month. It's <laughs> Konami Month, so let's give away a Konami game. Yes, so we're going to give away Contra on the 3DS. 3DS eShop. eShop, yeah, so we can give that game away digitally, which is perfect for us. So no matter where you are, you can play it. And uh, yeah, so that's in the giveaway uh, pool for this month. And uh, remember, the only thing you got to do to win that game is hop on Twitter, go to at VGM Generations, and interact, interact with us in any way, shape, or form you so desire. Give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a reply. I especially like replies. Just like, you know, a little, little tip there. <laughs> if you give us a reply, you're more likely to get picked. I believe uh, John the Peaky gave us a reply, so he got nice. picked. So, uh, yeah, and um, for a bonus entry, leave an iTunes review or a comment on SoundCloud. And that is it for episode one of Konami Month. So, hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll come at you next week with some more Konami picks. <laughs>